0: Welcome back to episode number 159 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney, and today's episode is a bit different than the ones we've had before. This is a crossover episode with Donovan Karkai from the Dusty Jobs Podcast. So the Dusty Jobs Podcast is run by Imperial Systems. And they cover educational resources for dust collection equipment, filters, dust collection services in terms of maintenance, and keeping your dust collection system running appropriately. They cover things like history of imperial systems, campfire chats with experts, and much more. And they invited me on the Dusty Jobs podcast, talk about combustible dust, and get some of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing at Dust Safety Science, but also some of the history of combustible dust. I thought it'd be kind of interesting to feature this as a crossover episode here on the Dust Safety Science podcast as well. In the interview, and this will be a bit different because I'm being interviewed instead of performing the interviews, which you've heard for the first 158 episodes of the Dust Safety Science podcast. But in this, they're interviewing me on my background, on combustible dust and some of the history, the current status of combustible dust in the U.S. and how that relates to other regions of the world. And open challenges that we're seeing through things like our podcast here and through the incident Database. So I encourage you to sit back, relax and enjoy this interview of me given by Donovan Karkai at the Dusty Jobs podcast. Welcome to the Dusty Jobs podcast from Imperial Systems. Industry knowledge to make your job easier and safer.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dusty Jobs podcast. Uh, glad you guys could all be with us today. We have a very special guest, Chris Cloney. He's uh, joining us remote. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, we're so, we typically have people in the studio, but Chris, you're uh, you're actually located up in Canada, correct?
0: Yeah, you got it. I was in Nova Scotia up until two weeks ago, and now we're in Ontario. We just moved the whole family here, which is why I have a, a completely blank office with no furniture in it and sound echoey. But, yeah, uh, that's yeah, how we're, it, we're up here.
1: That's how it goes. We still have probably have boxes laying all over the place, huh?
0: Yes, just not on camera. <laughs>
1: There you go. There you go. Now, the reason we have Chris on today is Chris also has his own podcast. The The name of your podcast is? Dust Safety Science Podcast. Dust Safety Science Podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal resource. We've been listening to it for a while here over at Imperial Systems. Um, you've even had Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah One, the owner of our company, on your guys' podcast. And uh, we're just glad to be able to talk to you today and learn a little more about uh what your podcast is about and how that might be a resource for some of our listeners to learn more and be educated and have a a safer workspace. So, um, But Chris, before we get into all that, tell me a little bit more about how you even got started on this thing. What got you? Because I know when I was in high school, my guidance counselor didn't come up to me and say, hey, you know, one of the job options in the future is going to be a podcast. About dust, you know that wasn't something that was on the board. So, what journey took you to where you're at right now? What got you involved in, in all of this, and got you interested in trying to teach people more about how to have a safer work environment?
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and if if they did tell you that, they probably didn't say there were two podcasts on dust. So, <laughs> if you think there's one, <laughs> then, then two is even more. I mean, yeah. I, I guess the the best place to start is sort of where who I am and, and where I'm at today. Um, I'll let you do the same sort of thing with the Dusty Jobs Podcast, because I think we're gonna play this as a crossover on the Dust Safety Science Podcast, and then people will know, know where to go. So uh, my official title, I guess, Dr. Chris Cloney. Um, I'm the owner of DustX Research Limited, and we're a company with a, a global focus on education, connection, change, and awareness for combustible dust safety. I'm the lead researcher there. I wear a number of hats. Uh, And we have a number of platforms related to combustible dust. So Dust Safety Science, which is where the the podcast is hosted. We have the Dust Safety Academy for education, Dust Safety Professionals for connection. People can make requests there. Um, Imperial Systems is a member company at Dust Safety Professionals, along with about 35 or 40 other companies globally. We help place those companies with uh, end users that need them at the end of the day. So that's sort of where I am today. It wasn't quite in high school when I started, but it it wasn't really that far off either. So maybe we'll get into that in a second, but I'll I'll let you explain. What is the Dusty Jobs podcast for somebody that's listening to this um, on the Dust Safety Science podcast and wants to come over and check it out?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the Dusty Jobs podcast is something we started new here at Imperial Systems. Uh, Our heart is to really just help get people educated on not just uh, how to have a safer and cleaner and healthier work environment, but also just to give informational knowledge about products that are out there, maybe services that can be done, uh, more of the holistic idea of having a dust collector in your facility and what that can do for you. And we started as an educational resource so that people can know more about what we have available here at Imperial Systems, but also just for anybody out there who might be uh, trying to figure out a little more about their own collector. We handle everything from filter information all the way up to service information. So um, we're still growing and and figuring out our identity a little bit. We're a little bit newer into this. You guys have about, what, 200 podcasts
0: under your belt? Is that right? Uh, We're getting there. This, uh, when it comes out, will be about 160 for our podcast. So uh, going into our fourth year. (laughs) Right. So we're in our second
1: year. We have have a little bit of a, a history, but not quite as much as you guys. So but that's us. So you can see more on our website. Uh, we'll share at the end, you know, imperialisystemsweb.com is where you can go to really learn more about our company. And uh, we have our own YouTube page where there's other videos that aren't just our podcast, but uh, lots of other information on there about more of us. So,
0: And just to kind of to clarify, if somebody's listening to this on Dust Safety Science and they're interested in the Dusty Jobs podcast, YouTube would be the best place to go to watch that, right? Because you, you play the videos and you have the whole thing right now you're recording. Yeah. We have everything my, my on our YouTube channel. As well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Love Great it. place to look us up. So cool. So let's, I mean, let's, so this will be interesting hopefully for the dusty jobs, um, audience and listeners that are, are listening when this comes out or listening, if you're listening to this, you know, a few years in the future. And I think it'll be interesting for the dust safety science podcast audience too, to hear me be interviewed, to hear some of the background and, and some of the insights into what we're seeing with the different platforms that we're running so Donvin, you asked about you know how did I get where I where I am today that we're, we're even doing this interview and it's a really great question so I did my undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering we have a, a thing called cooperative education in the university here in Canada where you can opt to work every eight months in industry um, make some money which is really nice while you're while you're a poor student um, and get some experience so my first co-op position was with a consulting company that was local in Halifax. I was looking at explosion and combustion science. So I was doing computer modeling, computational fluid dynamics, um, developing software to analyze fires and explosions. In particularly looking at defense applications, so high explosives, improvised explosive devices, effects on troops and structures and ships, um, really trying to protect from things that go bang you know, quickly, release a lot of energy. Doing things like, you know, designing troop helmets to avoid traumatic brain injury or designing tank armor to avoid improvised devices from being able to puncture the, the, the kind of hull of the tank and things like that. So, very so it was a end- little
1: bit more <laughs> in the defense realm is where you started learning about explosions and, and what causes them and, and how they react and interact with things, right? Is it, am I summing this up pretty good?
0: Yeah, you got a blast, detonation, shockwave. When you see the Mythbusters blow something up, it's really large, and you see that nice kind of shockwave go through the air, and when they blow up a garbage truck or something like that, um, yeah. that's the sort of stuff we were doing, but on our on our computers and and simulating it. That was like a kind of an internship is a way to put it, right? It, it was. Um, so I did three of those over a period of a couple of years in, in university. Mm-hmm. We started up with that company afterwards, uh, worked there for the better part of six or seven years. But while I was doing that, I started my, my graduate research, and my graduate research was in dust explosions. So combustible dust, having it dispersed in the air, when it ignites, a deflagration can happen, which is the reaction front moving through the cloud that's in the air. I mean, yeah. If that's confined, you can have an explosion. And these are things that you see happen occasionally in dust collectors, we'll say, happen in processing vessels, happen in, in- industries that are handling combustible solids. I thought it'd be the exact same. I thought it'd be the same as high explosive or C4 or things I were analyzing before. turns out that combustible dust is completely different in terms of physics and chemistry and a lot more challenging as well and a lot less understood. So that was my foray into combustible dust. But the other half of that equation is I really looked at this as being something that was industry relevant. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing this military application research, which is really great, but I felt like I could impact, you know, the lumber mill next door. Or the food processing facility down the street, or the rubber manufacturing facility, through my industrial application combustible dust, and that's when I sort of started making the switch from okay, defense industries, military applications. Let's let's try to take that knowledge that's there and translate it into understanding these combustible dust explosions and what they mean in industry.
1: Was there something that happened in your personal life that you were like, I'm just interested in this more, or was it a um, was it an actual professional application that you were like, Ah, oh, I want to. I want to see what this is like, not just from this military and defense side, but you wanted to look into it. Or is it just kind of trying to expand your horizons? I I don't want to put any words in your mouth here. I'd I'd love to know what made you go. I think I'd like to look into this more now.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a couple things that sort of came together. One was just, again, looking and working in defense entries for the better part of half a decade. I was looking for something that was that was new and more. Well, not that I can talk to people at dinner parties about dust explosions, really. But if, if you think right. you can't do that, you know, talk about designing helmets for traumatic brain injury and, and stuff is even harder. Trust me. Right. Um, right. So that was one part. I, I had a fantastic supervisor in in Nova Scotia, Dr. Paul Amiot. I'm very well known and respected in the field of combustible dust and process safety. Um, inherently safer design and hierarchy of controls are sort of four of his main areas. So he was. Just starting a, a, a nice-sized research project with a number of master's students and PhD students. That was also brought on by industry, so we had four or five industry partners. So, sort of like this mm-hmm. little collective of combustible dust in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The, the third piece is that we actually had a, quite a large coal mine explosion in 1992. So, I won't exactly date myself, but I was, you know, less than 10 years old when that explosion happened. Um, right. It was only about half an hour from my house. Uh, it, it, it took the lives of all 26 minors uh, at the time. So something like that, um, it wasn't in my community, but the community was in, You know, they're still reeling from it today. No more jobs, large employer gone, 26 families with 26 missing sons or, or fathers, depending on the age, and, and there was that whole range. So when I started thinking about that, it's like, wow, this is something that can actually impact what we're doing Day to day, more than the military defense applications. Um, so those three things kind of came together to really start me down the path of okay, well, let's talk about combustible dust and industry relevant applications with that. Yeah, that's that's
1: really interesting. Some personal exposure, some professional exposure, and then uh, just kind of the right place at the right time with that fellowship that was happening with those uh, those people. That's that's very interesting. it is. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so. So then what got you started in your podcast? I mean, this is because this is really where we're both at right now. We're talking about this. So you went from doing this research to what made you say, man, I want to get this out there so other people can be hearing about it and learning about it. What what caused you to to do that?
0: I was had about two years left in my Ph.D. when I was uh, when I sort of got started with this and I had traveled around the world to, to multiple countries talk about combustible dust in my research, you know, countries like Poland and and Norway and here in the United States. And I kind of, inter, I realized a couple things at once. So I think there's sort of two scenarios at once. I was doing this really, what I thought was awesome research, we'll say, really interesting research mm-hmm. in the physics and chemistry of dust explosions. But if I talked to an industry person, like it just, it didn't resonate. It was like, I was looking at different questions than they wanted answered. So the different Mm -hmm. stakeholders in combustible dust, and you have a few, you have researchers, you have end users, you have equipment suppliers and manufacturers, insurance, government, um, inspectors, research institutions like, say, the Chemical Safety Board or others. Um, Right. I kind of saw that there's all these groups, but nobody hung out together. No one spoke the same language. No one was asking the same questions. And even worse, no one was really answering the questions that the other stakeholders had. We are also already in our own Their own silos. Everybody's in their own silos of of information
1: and interests and
0: nobody was putting them together, huh? Exactly. So that was, that was sort of scenario one. And then scenario two was just when I looked at loss history, it was always either you weren't aware of the hazard, you didn't have the right knowledge and education to defend against the hazard if you were aware of it. And if you had Mm -hmm. those two, you didn't know who to talk to, to get your solution solved. Right. So it was awareness, education, and connection, which... Oddly enough, now when I look back five years and we've created all these platforms. It's one, one communication platform for awareness, that's the podcast. One education platform, that's the Dust Safety Academy. And one connection platform, that's Dust Safety Professionals. So it's like these right. three gaps were the things that were needed to progress safety moving forward. Yeah, because some some
1: people out there might not even know they're in a situation where they they need protection. Some people might be in a situation where they need protection, but they're not sure how to get it or exactly what that looks like. And some people might be, you know, just trying to figure out if they are in a situation where they're just trying to get an education on, you know, is is what I'm doing daily in my workshop going to cause me or someone else harm?
0: We say four pillars, awareness, knowledge, connection, and change. So you got to be aware of the hazard. You got to know what it is, so it's not downplayed. You need to know who you can go to to solve your problem. At the end of the day, the tools to be able to to elicit change whether that's cultural change whether that's change about money spent in your organization whether that's change in government organizations and their interpretation or approaches they all sort of drive to that point in the spear to actually making facilities safer i should have said this at the outset but dust safety science and dust x research are our, our, our mission our vision for the what we're doing in the world is to see a year with zero fatalities worldwide by 2038 so within 20 years of creating the company and that's sort of the underlying thing that uh, that's the lens we look at everything we do with it's would this project task platform discussion thing we're doing next contribute to potentially reducing a, a life lost from combustible right. dust explosions and this discussion yeah will cuz it's a new audience it's a new group to to show what kind of things we're creating to educate folks and connect folks yeah
1: yeah so so that's kind of where the the podcast came from and where it is currently and all the different platforms in which you can uh, get educated and get connected so when we're talking about that and we're thinking about that what do you think the the future of like Let's talk about where the industry used to be when you started this to where we are now, because I think every year we're getting safer. We're uh, putting things in place. There is more education. There is more resources. There's more knowledge on what helps industry, individuals, people. What would would you say is the biggest thing you've seen over the, the time you've been doing this that's really changed the most in the industry?
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and we sort of had a conversation about this before. There, there is a lot of activity right now in combustible dust, and it's really important to see, and it's really um, great to see. And when I think back, the most recent, I call it the, the most recent renaissance in combustible dust, dates back to 2006 with the release of, of a report by the Chemo Safety Board, um, It's something like the Combustible Dust Report. I can't remember exactly what the title is. The release a report right. that looked at three incidents in 2003, uh, West Pharmaceuticals. Hayes lemmers and and cta acoustics that were all major multi-fatality incidents they released that report um, in 2007 so a year later osha came up with their their out with their national emphasis program for combustible dust literally while that was sitting on the desks and been distributed at companies throughout the united states including imperial sugar so that was released in october 2007 imperial sugar happened in february 2008 and they they found memos internal to imperial sugar talking about the national emphasis program and not connecting the dots that could apply to them and and that that explosion you know killed 14 workers and injured 36 and that could have potentially been even bigger but during the time frame when that happened it you know what i mean luckily there wasn't as many people working yeah and then then we have a whole bunch of things that have happened since then that are really important to discuss and important to talk about and important to push forward but The kind of to look back a little bit. It's kind of interesting to see the history, Um, and I've I've often thought that we should write it. That maybe I should write a history book on combustible dust. But the first regulation for sugar dust came out in 1924. 1924 regulations of the National Board of Fire Underwriters for the pulverizing systems for cocoa and sugar. And like the introductory paragraph is, these regulations are issued to eliminate or reduce hazards. Inherent in the manufacture of pulverized sugar, particularly a hazard of its ignition, it is essential that there should be no escape of dust into the atmosphere of the room, a condition favorable to a <laughs> dust explosion, and rapid propagation of fire. Uh, that was so 1924. Knew,
1: <laughs> in 1924, they knew they should be collecting this stuff, and, and <laughs> it was hazardous at that time.
0: And so I'll read you some, like, I'm not going to go through it. Uh, well, I've already went through a bit of a diatribe, but I, I'm not going to go too much. But there's a section on hostkeeping. Good housekeeping is one of the most important factors. Apparatus which will not leak and permit the escape of dust or sipping out of cocoa because it covered cocoa and, and sugar right. is essential. <laughs> all dust collectors, yeah. here in another section, all dust collectors shall be constructed through non-combustible materials. All dust collectors, if you use connection with the pulverizing system, if not located outside the building, shall be located within the pulverizing department and shall be properly vented to a safe point outside the building. I mean, it's 100 years ago. <laughs> So the the reason I bring this up is there's actually been at least three, maybe four, renaissance of combustible dust just in the United States. There's this most recent one, 2008-ish. 1970 to 1980, there was the grain handling standard that was created after a a number of grain silo explosions. In particular, they had, I think, five in a three-month period that killed 70 or 80 workers um, in 1977. That was... The second most recent one, the one before that is the 1920s, that was actually driven by insurers. They were seeing all their insured facilities blow up. And they were. And yeah. that's why they came up with this standard, like, well, we got to stop this. And then there's probably at least one more with coal mining in the United States in the late 1800s. So we see these peaks and valleys and peaks and troughs. But the most interesting part is that every country and every industry goes through these peaks and troughs at different times. So just in the right. last three years... There was a large explosion in Port Port of Aquaba in Jordan. We covered that Mm -hmm. on our podcast on episode 13. So uh, 130 episodes ago with Ali Al-Mashgawi, (laughs) who is the incident investigator. That caused them to audit all of their silos in the country of Jordan and try to come up with a a, a grain handling standard. Same thing happened in Zimbabwe that same year. Uh, This year, we had an explosion in Singapore that within... So the explosion happened... In involved potato starch, it happened in February. By March, they had inspected 500 companies in Singapore on combustible dust. And by May, they come up with SS 667 2020 code of practice for handling, storage, and processing of combustible dust. So every country right. and every industry is going through these waves at different times. And the real big challenge at the end of the day, and the reason I hold, go through the big diatribe is. We tend to rewrite the whole thing from scratch every time, <laughs> not realizing <laughs> that that the stuff was created before or the stuff is created by in another country. Instead of translating knowledge, translating information we're we're sort of net writing new. And that's why I love the podcast. That's why I love the Dusty Jobs podcast too. It's all about how do you take these experiences and translate them from one to another, which is much more effective in, in facilitating change than writing a, another I don't even want to say writing another standard because there's probably a ton of them going on right now, but then writing something that's net new. Um translation is right. better than, than doing that. Yeah.
1: And it's it you're right. There's so much knowledge, so much information out there that we can share now and with the internet and with all the different resources we have, we can uh, take that information that we have already figured out in some situations and transfer it into other ones. And I think that's what we're trying to do here is you know, give people uh, we don't want a tragedy to happen which causes people to go look for an answer. We're trying to help provide answers before that happens so that we can avoid more tragedies in the future. And I I think that's the heart of what you guys are doing, the heart of what we're doing here. But what do you think the future of the industry is? I mean, do you think there's going to be more of this, hopefully, cross-cultural information that's getting shared and and that? Or what do you see? What do you see the future of dust collection and safety industry? Where, Where do you think it's going?
0: Yeah, I mean let's let's talk about the future a bit. And while we do that, I'll pull up some, some other notes about some maybe words of caution in, in the current global system that we're in. Um so the the future looking sort of notes are that just like you said, the, the biggest thing is to avoid the trough. So if we know that we go through peaks and valleys, um there's a couple of ways we can we can solve that. One is to work collaboratively with other industries and in other countries, um so that the whole global community doesn't go through a trough at the same time, you know. When right. when when Singapore is creating new standards like they are this year, literally right now, they're training their country on on these new standards. Well, then maybe we should be listening, and maybe we should be working with them here in, in North America or in Canada or in Argentina or wherever it is. So just allowing that global communication to happen from one group to another sort of eliminates or smooths out all these peaks and valleys everyone's going through. And just talking about sharing the stories also gets rid of those peaks. So if we can. If we can make this most recent renaissance the last one that goes, <laughs> goes down again, and everybody forgets about right. it until something bad happens. Then I mean, that's really the solution. There's lots of technological things going on. You know, we, I call it the, the dust safety hexagon. If we need another geometric shape in our world, which some people would say maybe we don't. But it's, it's two sides with three on each side. So contain, collect, clean. That's how you prevent explosions outside devices. Contain it inside the, the processing vessel. Collect it at point sources where you can't and clean up any dust that remains and then prevent, protect, isolate. Those are your technological solutions, how to prevent explosions inside and outside equipment. There's a whole bunch. There's hours and hours of discussion to be had on all those topics.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's tons of products to help with all of that, too. Products and procedures that can help uh, for the guy who's out there listening to this and going, wow, there's I'm getting flooded with information. You know, there's um, there's a lot of swats you can start with just. You know, even if you're just looking at a pile and go, man, there's a lot of sawdust underneath this. I should probably sweep it up. Or there's, yep. you know, there's this, this shouldn't be sitting around the collector. The collector should be collecting the material. If you have a leak in your collector, that's a good secondary ignition source that, you know, you should be collecting. So for just the guy who's out there listening, maybe doesn't have everything figured out, but there's definitely places you can start. And um, I think that's what we're thinking about in the future, helping people find a starting point, that they can start moving forward through and, you know, listening to some of your information and some of the stuff we've had going in the past here, that could be a really good place to start. If you're listening to the first time you're going, man, I haven't even thought about some of this stuff. That would be a great place to start is maybe going back into some of the topics that you guys have covered and we've covered um, getting connected with your group uh, socially uh, with the connections that you guys have and some education that you guys can provide. Uh, on just how to handle some of that stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. We're just going to see some waves keep going, but hopefully our future is getting that information out there so everybody can use it together and uh, we can try to help other people prevent making some mistakes that have already happened in other areas.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the key, if you want to change someone's behavior, is to have the right message at the right time using the right language that they use in their own head. So, mm-hmm. if it's not the right language, they won't care. If it's not the right message at the right time, they also won't care. So, if there's someone that looks, if there's someone that works at a sawmill right now and, and they have dust throughout the entire facility, which actually is pretty common, I'm willing to bet if there's, people that, if there's 10 people that are working sawmills and, and, and listening to this podcast, seven of them have this, this uh, currently at their facility. You go right. to slash two. Our second podcast episode is lessons learned from two sawdust fires at New Brunswick Lumber Mill. You can go to, in 2012, we had two lumber mill explosions in British Columbia uh, that were both multiple fatality explosions back-to-back at different sites, like hours apart. <laughs> so after right. the first one, people were saying, oh, this never happens, right? Like, it's, it was completely discounted. Um, and then another one happened. And that's really influenced WorkSafe BC, WorkSafe British Columbia's approach to combustible dust. They've really taken a proactive approach over the years. Right, right. Just a few years ago, there's a very large lumber mill explosion in the UK. And the, the owner of the mill is up for manslaughter charges right now. I think the trial just finished. So, you know, so those 7 out of 10 people, there's a couple of resources to, to think about when you start. When that creeps in your head that, oh, this won't happen here. Oh, this can't happen here. You know, they're infrequent events. And that's the biggest challenge is to keep that level of complacency. We'll yeah the, we'll the opposite of complacency It can't keep, happen to me yeah try to keep that level of uh of susceptibility Urgency. high like that you still yeah. feel that okay this is a possibility here because i guarantee right. everyone that's ever been injured and we've talked to a lot of them on the dust safety science podcast in an explosion unfortunately we don't get to talk to the people that don't make it but we do get to talked to our families and we've had several interviews with like that on the podcast but nobody that was in a dust explosion went to work that day thinking hey this is the day or they just wouldn't have went. went. <laughs> so right, nobody, exactly. nobody thinks that this stuff's going to happen. They all think, you know, it's not going to happen to me or, or they don't have the awareness, the knowledge, the connection, or the ability to make change at their facility. Um, right. If they thought but that's what was we're happen, here to stay home.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you're here for. That's what we're here for to try to help people prevent that from happening. We don't want, we don't want anybody's day at work to be their last day at work unless they're retiring, you know, that's yep. it. So, but Chris, I just want to say thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you want to share about uh, where people can find you guys or where they can learn more about what you got on? I know this isn't going to be the last time we're going to have you on here. We'll probably have you on for a couple deep dives into some topics that we can really talk about and maybe get into more wood dust or something like that. I know we're, we're hoping to have you on again to talk about more specifics, but it was great getting to know you and introduce you to our audience. And uh, hopefully your audience is going to feel the same about what we're doing over here. But what's some places some people could find you or reach out to you or look for you on online or whatever?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the best thing, because I, I know this audience is tuning into a podcast already, is just go to the Dust Safety Science podcast. You can you start at one. <laughs> it's it's We got about uh, 300, 200 hours probably of material on there. So you start at one and start working your way through if you have a lot of driving in your job, it's probably more effective to start searching through topics and find one that's relevant to you. So, whether or not it's a you know a story from a worker who's been involved, and you're a health and safety manager and you want to understand that scenario, if it's a technological issue, our, our podcast goes into the, the the details. So we'll cover yeah. things like what do you do if there's too many concrete silos too close together? <laughs> how do you how do you protect that system? Um, how do you? Yeah. You know, and then everything. We have stuff from, you know, education and history. And, and we talk about after, after 150 episodes, you really got to diverse what you're talking about. So um, <laughs> that'd be the best place to go, though. Dust Save Science Podcast. If you need help and support at your facility, if you need a dust hazard analysis done, which we didn't even talk about. It's hard to imagine we just did a whole podcast on combustible dust in North America and didn't say DHA at least once. But we'll talk about that <laughs> the next one, I'm sure. You know, if you need DHA, you need testing. Anything like that, Dust Safety Professionals, if you go there, we'll get you set up one of our member companies just in a matter of of hours or or days for getting your project moving. So those are the best place to catch me.
1: Great, great. Yeah, and if you're more interested in dust hazard analysis, I'm sure you guys have some podcasts on those. We have a podcast in the past about dust hazard analysis, so you can go back and look that up. Um, And if you're like, what does that even mean? and go back and and see what that's all about. But that's a really important thing. I just want to say thanks for coming on. Thanks for everything that uh, you guys are doing over there. We appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to having some more conversations with you. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. We're on all of those. So thanks for tuning in to the Dusty Jobs podcast. Uh, Everyone out there, just uh, stay healthy and stay safe. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Don. I appreciate the work that uh, Imperial Systems is doing and, and appreciate this podcast. Keep it up. You too, Chris.
1: Thanks for listening to the Dusty Jobs Podcast. Breathe better, work safer.
0: And so that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed this kind of different setup where I'm actually being interviewed and doing this crossover episode with Dusty Jobs. I do want to thank Donovan for giving this great interview and for the work that they're doing down at Imperial Systems. We did an interview with their owner, Jeremiah, back in episode 29 of the podcast on changes in dust collection equipment landscape. And they've, you know, really been at the forefront of, of understanding and improving dust collection system performance and safety involved with combustible dust. Um, they are a dust safety science or Dust Safety Professionals, rather, member company. I know they're doing great work out in their industry with folks helping them with their systems. So that's it for this week's podcast. Oh, If you like this interview style or this crossover style, let me know. You can send me an email at chris at dustsatyscience.com. You can also go to the show notes for this episode at dustsafetyscience.com slash 159. We'll have links to the Dusty Jobs podcast and all the other information that we talked about in this podcast um, over there in the show notes as well. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead and appreciate everything you're doing. Industries handling combustal dust, making them safer with the work that you're doing every day.